The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, your busy business boss, executive, strategist, and transformational leader, whose mission on this show is to educate, engage, and energize the global community on topics of sustainability and ESG. ESG Energized audience, I am extra super excited today. We have Mickey Corcoran, Vice President of Sustainability from SLB, joining us today. Mickey, welcome to ESG Energized. Thank you, Delphina. Pleasure to be here. I've been very much looking forward to this for several months now, and we finally were able to do this. Mickey, my entire audience, of course, this is the Oil and Gas Global Network, knows exactly who SLB is, right? And, and I'm going to warn everybody, if I say Schlumberger, Mickey's going to throw something at me. But it's, you know, after 40-some years of saying Schlumberger, it's going to be really hard for me to say SLB. But I am going to do my best job, my best effort towards that. Mickey, let's start off with talking about you, talking about this role that you're in, and the career that has led you to this point. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Delfina. I might have trouble saying SLB myself. It's hard It's hard to be in the company that changes its name, right? That's right. So, yeah, yeah. No, so, uh, so thanks. Real pleasure to be here with you today. So I started my career with Schlumberger 23 years ago before we rebranded to SLB. And I have to say it's been a, a very interesting and I would say challenging uh, career. So I started in a typical... SLB career path where I started off in the field with a technical career, moving around the world, working on the rigs for our customers, uh, delivering operations. And after that, I have really been able to expand my development, if you like, in going from operations to function and back and forth, which has allowed me to really have quite a a diverse expertise and understand the company uh, quite deeply. My last role, um, probably one of the most interesting jobs I've ever had, I was the managing director of Europe uh, based in the UK. And, you know, we all know that Europe is really at the cutting edge of all topics of sustainability. Absolutely. And particularly the UK and the amount of investment and partnerships that are going on there, particularly from all the oil and gas companies. Um, Of course, I had to be involved in that, right? Mm -hmm. We were SLB. Um, And I think I was very vocal as well internally in the company (laughs) in uh, potentially what we should be doing in terms of sustainability. And uh, hence, uh, three years later, I landed in this role as the vice president of sustainability or the first vice president of sustainability uh, in SLB. So, of course, I'm, I'm very proud of that. So my role now as the VP of sustainability is to build the strategy for the company in terms of sustainability, which is a big shift from where we were before. Sustainability used to be called something global stewardship. 
and it used to be really focused around our stewardship in terms of um, investing in communities, really focused around people, education. And now we really have a, a much more robust strategy focused around three major elements, nature, people, and climate action. So the first year of this role was to really set that strategy in place um, and build, build a framework that would allow not only my team to be able to govern what is the future of sustainability for the company, but also a program that would allow our people to have a huge involvement and we want to empower them as the local teams that will be able to enable our strategy. I think we believe very much that you know my team of six people will never be able to lift a huge company like SLB and shift us into a more sustainable company. It will be our people that will do that for us. Brilliant. And so by providing them the right tools, direction, expertise, then we really believe that, you know, as SLB, we'll be able to become a sustainable company. And that's our ambition for the future. So you said something really very important that I, I think needs to be emphasized. You just laid out a long, hard, career inside of SL, inside of Schlumberger actually, and now at SLB, mm -hmm. that has prepared you for this role to be able to understand what it is that your organization needs and to communicate it in a language that they understand so that they can embrace it. Do you see a difference in the young people that are coming into the organization? Delfina, absolutely. So what we are seeing is all the way from people who are potentially thinking of joining SLB to those that join us with a huge amount of energy for the topic um, and also those that are also in the company and have been in the company for a significant amount of time thinking, I want to be in a sustainable company. What is SLB doing that would uh, motivate me to stay in SLB? Mm -hmm. So we see from the people that we are potentially recruiting a lot of questions around what our program is and the impact that we're having because I think potential recruits today don't want to join uh, I want to join a company that is, is sustainable. Uh, we're seeing a lot of energy from the people who are joining our organization in terms of wanting to be involved in our campaigns um, uh, and our projects. And then we're seeing also you know, our, our mid-level management wanting to understand what they can do to drive uh, the ambition that we have as a company. So I think a different aspect of that is first making sure that everybody understands this dynamic energy landscape that we're in. And I'm curious as to how you're seeing the broader picture within which, which provides the context within which you are going forward with this new strategy around sustainability. Yeah. I think there's one thing we need to always uh, focus on, you know, what is really our, our North Star here is that, 
you know, we are, we are a technology company. Historically, we were an oil and gas services company, but a technology company. Now we're a technology company for the energy industry. And oil and gas will continue to be a very important part of the energy mix going forward. And we know that and we understand that. And this is our strength. It's really important for us to be able to play in both places. We need to be able to help our customers through technology and solutions to decarbonize oil and gas. And then we also need to look at how are we going to be involved in the new energy part of our business, providing technologies that will have an impact on the scalability of uh, these new energies going forward. And so our role as SLB, and you'll see that in our rebranding, is that we want to be and we will be the technology company that will allow that to accelerate and allow that to, to happen. So a couple of, of thoughts. One observation, having four decades in this industry, one of my observations is that this is not the first time in Slumberger's, sorry, SLB's. Well, I can say Slumberger because we're talking about history. It's not the first yeah. time in Slumberger's okay. history. You can do that. Yeah. Um, that there has been an, a shift in the market and in the needs of this industry, specifically around technology, where Slumberger has stepped up and led innovation and not just innovation but effective innovation and the most telling example for me was when the energy industry when the world shift to information technology capabilities Schlumberger was at the forefront of that and Schlumberger took the lead and so that history of having made tremendous strides. This is not an organization, just an observation as an industry veteran. This is not this is not a company that's saying, oh yeah, you know, we have these fancy new tools and ideas and thoughts that we're gonna try and just get in there in a me too sort of fashion. Schlumberger actually delivers. Schlumberger is a part of our fabric. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and, and we see sustainability in very much the same light. I mean, I call it sustainability because, of course, I'm looking after sustainability. Right. But in terms of, you know, decarbonization and what we want to do uh, for our customers, we see that very much in the same light. You know, I love to use the, the power drive example. So I spent a lot of my uh, career in, in drilling. Right, yeah. so rotary steerable drilling. And I always say, look, this is like the rotary steerable. You know, you, we used to drill vertical wells, and then all of a sudden, you know, the oil and gas companies, they got smarter and said, you know, I wanna drill some, vert some horizontal wells, so let's build some technology that will allow us to drill horizontal wells, and we do it, right? And, you know, perfect service quality, uh, maximize production for the customer. So, you know, in a way, we, we, we're an agile company. Right, and we will always uh, try to meet our customers' needs in that respect. And I see decarbonization in exactly uh, the same light. So you just hit on something that uh, is near and dear to my heart. In the past, when anybody would ask me about sustainability, and I talk about it within the context of our industry, I defined sustainability as having three pillars, being innovative, 
resilient, and agile. And that would be in the context of sustainability as an organization. And now we are looking at those same components and taking sustainability in a little bit of a different direction where a sustainable planet also requires a sustainable organization that could survive and thrive without doing any harm and creating positive impact. So I am a firm believer that the leadership that, that, slum, that SLB is now going to provide uh, for this industry is incredibly important. So what I'd like to do, if, if you wouldn't mind, is you've talked about SLB's commitments um, to technology. Uh, it's across probably most importantly is around scope three for the conversation as has to do with customers. I'd love to have you give us some ideas, some examples of that type of innovation that you're bringing to the table. And then maybe if we can then switch after that the conversation to SLB on their own scope one and scope two and how the whole picture comes together because I would imagine, Mickey, that this is not an easy puzzle for you. <laughs> I don't think anything about sustainability is easy. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little bit biased, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the the what you're doing for customers and give yeah. us some examples yeah. that get people excited. No, absolutely, absolutely. So just to give a little bit of context, our scope three today. So more than half of our uh, scope three is coming from the technologies that we sell. So these are technologies that are high consuming in terms of energy, mm -hmm. which means that. You know, when we sell them to our customers, we are going to account for those emissions when we sell them for the lifetime yep. of, of those technologies. So that's that's about 55% today. Then we have our supply chain, which contributes about 20%. So really, these are our major areas in terms of what we are focused on as a company to try to reduce uh, in terms of scope three. So when we look at those technologies today, you know, it's really interesting because we have a lot of technologies in the company, but it's actually quite a, a small handful that are those that are really driving our scope three because of the high energy consumption. Okay. So we know that by focusing on those technologies, we will have um, a good opportunity to reduce. Now, what's really interesting about this is that we are very dependent on working with our customers here because, of course, the energy that's provided for those technologies comes from the customer. Mm -hmm. So when we look at our customers today and we look at where we're selling those technologies, it's really important that we look from both aspects of how do we make those technologies more efficient so they're consuming less power or how can we work with our customers to ensure that they are, they're going to be powered by more greener energy, so renewable energy. This, of course, sounds very easy, but it's, of course, very mm -hmm. challenging because most of these technologies are going to the well site with a varied, uh, <laughs> diverse power resources exactly. at, at all of these sites. Um, but it's something that if you look at what our customers are prioritizing in terms of their own scope one and two and three footprint, we are very much aligned in our objectives. And as our customers progress in terms of their priorities, we will start to match and meet objectives and we'll start to align uh, on those priorities. So I'm very much looking forward to, uh, in the next couple of years, aligning with our customers in terms of our scope, three emissions, and their scope one and two emissions. Aha, uh -huh. 
Okay, so now can I have you talk about your scope one and scope two? Initially? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So our scope one and two. So if we look at our scope one and two, it's largely scope one versus scope two. And that's really driven by the fact that most of our scope two is coming from our facilities and our scope one is largely coming from our operations. So right. this is the fuel we use in our operations. And, you know, we've had such a an interesting and fantastic journey in terms of scope one and two. And one of our, I would say that, you know, one of our strengths is really digital and you mentioned it earlier, right? We were at the forefront of making that happen. And we really believe that leveraging our digital organization to help us to accelerate this journey of reducing scope one and two uh, was really, really important. And the way that we've been able to do that is going back to what I said earlier, empowering our local teams is giving them the ability to both see the scope one and two that's in their locations, be able to identify where that's coming from and then take action on that. So if you think about scope one and you're in a location and you're running various operations, you can say, okay, which one of those operations is consuming the most fuel? So typically you'll see operations like stimulation operations because they have a lot of frac units that are consuming a lot of fuel to be able to conduct that operation. So they're able to see that that's the operation that's con consuming the most fuel and they're able to take action on it. They look at how they can uh, look at efficiencies. Can they use less fuel? Can they um, be more efficient in terms of using the various pumps? Or can they use alternatives? instead of using fuel, other alternatives That's out right. there to allow them to reduce. So this has been really a fantastic journey for us. Um, we'll continue to use digital to be able to make sure that we're accelerating uh, this journey. And then in terms of scope two, you know, we were very fortunate that scope two was owned by one of our major functions previously, which was planning and supply chain. And what they did in terms of looking at our scope two in our facilities and what were the potential levers in terms of what we could do to reduce in terms of how can we be more energy efficient? How can we switch as many of our contracts for energy to renewable energy? Of course, their supply chain, they have access to the contracts. That's right. They're, they're very agile in terms of making that happen. And in just three years, we have reduced our scope to more than 50%. Oh, my goodness. Which is Very short period of time. an amazing result. Yeah. And so we have 33% of our facilities today on renewable energy. And, you know, some people say, well, 33%, that's not a lot. But in fact, we are taking 85% of the renewable energy that's available to us. So if you look across the globe, wherever our facilities are located, we're taking up 85% of those. And those that we decide not to are those that we don't believe it's the right quality for us today because, of course, we need to have uh, continuous operations. Absolutely. So, of course, we won't take contracts that are um, up and down in terms of quality. So, of course, we're focused on, on those that will deliver that. So, I mean, we're very, very proud of that. We're chasing all the time in terms of um, new energy. In fact, you know, we, um, uh, we, we were actually very proud we recently uh, were awarded some renewable energy from the solar farm uh, in uh, in the UAE, 
which uh, it was uh, something that we've been looking at for quite some time. We didn't know whether we could do it, but it was really an amazing uh, achievement for us to be able to get renewable energy, which will, of course, allow us to have all of our facilities uh, zero uh, carbon for yeah the next three years. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I want to I go back to something that you said. I, I, I want you to emphasize it to the audience because it's all well and good to talk about a strategy. It's all well and good to talk about innovation in technology and ideas. But inside of an organization, the challenges that the VP of Sustainability faces are a lot of times around getting the organization excited around us. Now, we talked about earlier about uh, younger generations coming in that are very excited about this, but there's still some of us that haven't quite retired yet that might be a little bit harder to bring along, right? And you said something that I think was really important that I want you to emphasize to the audience about how bringing an organization along to actually be agile and be innovative and put in place, find those solutions and put them into place. And you talked about a localized approach. You talked about how this is not the corporate office coming in and saying, thou shalt <laughs> do this, right? Take it from there, Mickey. Talk to my audience and explain to them what, what you're actually achieving with the localized approach. Yeah. So first of all, I think what's really important is, like I said earlier, sustainability can be a very complex topic, especially around climate action and emissions. And so the education and the understanding of the organization is uh, by far one of the most important elements that we need to, uh, to achieve. So first of all, the organization needs to truly understand what is it that we are trying to do and why are we trying to do it? So then in terms of the, the local approach, I think what was very clear to us from the beginning is we're an organization that touches many countries. And the approach to sustainability is so diverse across the world. It's so different that there is no, no one size fits all. And by the way, that touches all the topics of sustainability, whether you're talking about people, whether you're talking about nature, whether you're talking about climate action, it is so different. And so for us to, like you said, sit at the corporate level and say, thou shalt do this, it just simply won't work. So for us, by taking the localized approach means that we're empowering them, we're giving them tools so they understand what sustainability is and what we as a company are looking for, then they can build their own programs in alignment with that. So the way that we look at this actually is we are very much aligned with um, the UN SDGs. So we have um, a program that is aligned with that. So for example, we have assessed most of the countries that we have and we've assessed the major SDGs 
in those areas that we could potentially align with. So those that, so let's say, for example, if you are in a country and um, um, energy efficiency or um, uh, water is a focus area, then we can potentially align our programs with that in terms of what kind of positive impact are we going to have on that? What kind of business impact uh, are we going to have on that? And then we're able to align on where we think we can have the most impact in the communities and in the countries where we work. So that's first of all how we approach that. Secondly is then once those local businesses decide what they want to focus on, we also have a program for them to request for funding. So we have what we call the Sustainability Impact Awards every year. Oh so my. we're just about to launch them for 2024, where we have a central budget where they will request for certain projects. And those projects that will have the highest impact uh, in terms of you know, local impact, positive impact and business impact will be awarded uh, either CapEx, OPEX to be able to implement their projects locally. And that allows us to be able to accelerate and scale some of those projects as well. Because what we also see is that we may have a project somewhere in the world that could fit somewhere else in the world. So by having this visibility, by investing in one place in the world, we're able to say, okay, you know what, that water treatment facility in this, in this country is amazing. Why don't we launch that globally, scale it, and the impact as a company we have would be a hundred times greater. So this is the way we approach it. We really believe in it. And uh, what we're seeing is that we're getting a lot of traction and a lot of motivation from employees and they, you know, they love it. You are just killing it with the explanation for my audience. This is absolutely brilliant. And I would encourage whoever is listening to rewind that segment and listen to it again. Mickey, it's you're reminding me of how a lot of progress was achieved during, before we called it digital transformation, we were calling it integrated operations in the North Sea. And I know you've also worked in the North Sea. And there, that idea that you go into your local markets, which change. What's, in, what's important in one community Absolutely. is maybe detrimental to other communities. We've talked about that a lot on, on this show. Yeah. Um, but allowing the local operations to figure out what's right and what's best for them. And then what they start to do, another concept, was that they start to self-synchronize within the organization. Yes. You know, one asset manager will call another asset manager and say, you know what, I'm doing this. Or someone goes, hey, I heard that you're doing such and such. And then they it starts to grow and expand. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. just gets very exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. We actually have a network of what we call sustainability champions. So in each of our business units, we have sustainability champions. And it's really amazing to see the excitement within that team when we have one of the business units present one of their major projects that, you know, that's the way to really accelerate and scale is to be able to share those ideas uh, across the company. And so, yeah, it's a very effective program is to have these sustainability champions. I love that. Organization. So let me ask this. That actually ties into something that the now SLB organization always did very well historically with, was to understand how to 
motivate, metric and reward people inside of an organization that spoke to their strengths and also aligned or influenced their behaviors towards a positively collective in outcome. So has there been an adjustment, a conscious adjustment to how individuals are metriced and rewarded with regard to sustainability? Yes. <laughs> Firm answer is yes. So first of all, I think it's, you touched on something here, which is you have to really understand the strengths of your organization to understand how to metric and drive their behaviors. SLB, quite candidly, we are very fo a very focused, very driven organization. And we know that we, when we set objectives, we can be extremely successful. So we, two years ago, we started to implement objectives aligned with sustainability. And for the first time in 2022, we actually gave a KPO to the organization that touched our business units which was to reduce the intensity of scope one and two across the organization, so for the first time ever. I would say it was a huge success because what that does, it instinctively allows people to think, oh, hang on a minute, what is scope one and two? So exactly. they are compelled <laughs> to learn what is this all about. So of course we have the tools ready for everybody to learn. We have training programs, we have material, um, so that was a huge success. And this year, we actually rolled it out across the entire company. So now everybody within the company have a scope one and two um, intensity reduction KPO. That is a fundamental piece of their performance program that is aligned with safety. Brilliant. So we are putting this you know, at the importance level that is very similar to safety. And so this gives a very strong message to everybody in the company that this is important. And it is actually our company performance depends on this. So what you're doing is you're actually incorporating this into what we used to call back at Mobile Oil line of sight. Yes. Right? Absolutely. If you incorporate it right into their line of sight, they understand it. They can yes. see it. They can see how what they're doing day to day, yep. their performance that they're going to get rewarded for personally is also achieving the goals of the organization. Yeah. And of course, we roll digital into that too, right? Because, you know, we've given them the ability to see where their scope one and two is. We've given them now the ability to say, okay, if you need to reduce your scope one and two intensity by 10%, for example, they're able to see that on their dashboards. They're able to see which parts of the business they will have to reduce to be able to get there. And they're able to, to plan 
their uh, reduction through that. So, and we call that the decarbonization pathways. And we've actually gone through an exercise, a longer term exercise, to look at, you know, what does that decarbonized uh, roadmap look like for them in terms of the 2025 and 2030 milestones moving forward as well. So as a business, they're able to understand what levers they can pull and push to be able to reach their targets as well. I, I'm, again, audience, I want you to rewind this little bit of a segment and re-listen to it because this, these are, Mickey is, is sharing with you some of the really critical pieces of making a sustainability program inside of your organization powerful and credible to the marketplace, which is important, right? It's very important. So here we're gonna we're we're gonna wrap this up. I can't keep you here. I would love to keep you here all day, Mickey. Uh, maybe we can get you back on at uh, at a later time. Absolutely. But what is what is your parting message? What is what do you want for us? I would. I'm not gonna say just as an industry, but as a world that we need to know because. We all know that we're the most powerful industry on the planet because we provide all of the energy, not all, but a majority of the energy for the planet. And we have a great, a great responsibility. What is your message to the industry and to the world? I think, you know, something I've learned over the last 18 months being in this role is that there is no one company or country or organization that's going to be able to do this alone. It's very clear that being able to reach the goals that we set, we have to work with the entire value chain, whether it's your supply chain, whether it's your customer, whether it's working with your own organization. We are very dependent on each other to be able to make this a success. So if there's one thing that we really need to do is we need to step up and start working more together and really forming real partnerships because as one thing is for sure is SLB is absolutely not going to be able to do this alone. But I think that also included in that is education absolutely. and knowledge and understanding. Absolutely. It's coming in with That's the number one. That mindset, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Mickey, thank you so very much. This has been a tremendous pleasure. Um, and hopefully we can get you back on the show in, in the future. I'd love to. Thank you very much, Delfina. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.